Tim, how you doing? JP, doing well on this end. How about that end? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's a big week for podcasts for us. We're recording several podcasts, so that's that's always a lot of fun to get to interact with people from across the U.S. or Canada and you know different perspectives. So it's fun week from that standpoint. Yeah, and Tim, you're going to somewhere tropical, right? I am. Uh, my wife and I are friends are getting married in Maui next uh, week, so we'll be in Maui for a week. Right on. First trip to Hawaii, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, good. Have you ever been? No, but my neighbor said they will never go again because there was like some sort of earthquake and then <laughs> like a tsunami warning. And they were stuck on like the, the roof of a hotel for a couple oh, days. So that should give you some good warm feelings when you're flying over there. Well, I'm, <laughs> we're looking forward to it. Um, you've been to Fiji, though. so I have. Yep. And good trip there, correct, as I recall hearing stories? Yeah, it was, it was once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. Um, oh, David. You know, ironically, when I went to Fiji, the owners of this um, resort were from... <laughs> Minnesota, actually. So, Minnesota. Yeah. So, anyway. But like you said, the beauty of this podcast, we get to talk to people all around the world, around the country. We had, you know, um, Sean on from Ireland. We did some stuff in Germany. Yep. Uh, all over the country. And I don't think we've had a guest on from Maine, Tim, have we? I don't believe so. And as you recall, that's where my wife's work headquarters is at. So, she spends a lot of time in in Maine. So it's a okay. beautiful state, a really beautiful state. So I'm looking forward to talking to our guests. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get after it. Let's bring them on, Tim. Come on. So let's bring them in. It's Mike and Evan Levesque. Up, Dan Davis sales out of Springvale, Maine. How you guys doing? Good, and yourself? Good, good, good. All is good here up in Maine. We could see the sun for once in a month, and it'd be kind of <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, here we are. Summer usually comes on uh, one day of the month. Not sure which one that is yet. Really? It's oh man, I thought Maine was you know rainbows and sunshine and. Yeah, we used this year. We've had some tough weather, and my my grandfather Dan used to always say that summer comes on a Wednesday in Maine. Right? <laughs> that, was, that was his uh, his saying. But um, but yeah, things are are pretty good out here, and we've get, got a lot of rain. But we're looking forward to some of that summer weather for at least a month or two. You know? Yeah. You guys are brothers. What's if I could ask? What's the age difference? Are you guys twins? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so the age difference is about three and a half years. Mike is yeah. three and a half years older than myself. So, yeah. So how is it working with your brow? <laughs> it's pretty good. We get along pretty well. You know, that didn't happen until about after 18. But uh, okay. But after that, you know, we, we get along pretty well. And uh, we think differently, which is a positive thing for yeah. the business. Right. And uh, and we work well in I understand his differences. He understands mine, and we just we work together, and and it, it works nicely. Oh, cool! As the older brother, it does not mean that I'm the bigger brother. So that that <laughs> that happened over time as well. So that that yeah. presents itself with its own challenges. 
So I would ask you, how did you, you know, both get started with the company? But uh, Dan Davis was your grandfather. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. And uh, so it was actually my my mother's father. So my my father's father in law. And uh, and so the company started in 1976. And Dan had a uh, had a partner in Ray Alden. And the story goes that you know. He worked for Gould's Pumps prior to that, and yeah. they asked, you know, they Amtroll, our one of our first lines, had a uh, had a rep in Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, and they had gotten to know Dan throughout the industry, and and basically they uh, they helped Dan get into business. They said, Dan, we've we've got a rep up in Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, but he just doesn't know where New Hampshire and Vermont is, so we'd like you to come on board. And uh, with Ray Alden, and he was going to be, you know, about 10 years out from retirement, Ray Alden was. So it was Alden and Davis sales um, until 1984. And then in 1984, you know, Dan bought Ray out, Ray retired. It was just the two of them at the agency. And obviously Dan needed an employee and our father, Paul, was working at Pratt & Whitney Aircraft. And so he was in middle management there at that time. He was running the welding department and he was looking for a change. So in 1984, uh, Paul came on board with Dan and, and then, uh, he took over the company in 1995, um, about 10, 11 years later. And we just, we continued to grow outside of our territory. Uh, Mike and I came on board in the, uh, early two thousands, Mike, I think you were 2004. Yep. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. I was 2006. And then just recently, within the last year, the company has now transitioned um, over to Mike and I, and uh, we cover all of New England, whereas when we started, it was just me, New Hampshire, and Vermont. So how old were you guys when you started working uh, with your grandfather? Uh, four, I think. Is four? The, uh, correct. Dang. No, we, we, you know, we joke around. We've kind of grown up in the family business, uh, you know, yeah. been in and around it kind of our whole lives. But uh, I think that, you know, we've helped do things on the side from work on boiler trailers when we were young to installing new products in, you know, our homes that, you know, maybe prototypes for manufacturers and different things like that. All the stuff that leaves your wife without hot water or a flooded basement, usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, no, we've kind of always been involved uh, in the business, for sure. Do you guys have any, uh, can you share, like, a really fond memory or a great memory working with your with your grandfather? Yeah, you know, so we, we missed the gap of working directly with him um, as he was retired. But any time Dan would take a trip anywhere with you, it's kind of like the builder who says, I built that house when you drive by. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I remember going to a car show up in uh, Owl's Nest and Dan had brought me up there and, and uh, you know, he always drove a, a Cadillac or a Lincoln and it always had WX202, which was a well tank license plate. So it was, uh, you know, Amtroll's well tank. That model was always on his license plate. And I remember driving up to the car show and every time we'd go through some major or minor city, he would talk about what wholesaler was there, the interactions that he'd have with them. Um, he really had a passion for the water system side of the business as he got his start in pumps. 
So you'd kind of have like a training lesson. And I just remember all the way up to that car show was like two and a half, three hours. You know, times were a little bit different back then. The windows were up and the ashtray was open. And uh, and so uh, so we that. would uh, I well, I remember yeah. getting out of the car going, holy smokes, you know, but uh, those were the little training lessons that you'd have with with Dan whenever you were around him. He just really loved what he did. And, yeah. and so that's what he wanted to talk about was business and this industry. And so as kids, we we didn't know it, but we were just getting subliminally trained. And yeah. uh, and so I came out of college at 20. And that's when when I started for Dan Davis sales was at 20. Yeah. Um, Mike's got a little bit of a different different past. Um, he came in a little bit later. But Mike, you went out to HVAC school in, in Denver, Colorado, right? I did. Yep. I went to a tech school in Denver, Colorado. I wow. was, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that I wasn't a huge fan of school at the time, but uh, I, I was able to find a program that was about 18 months long and you started right after school and uh, I was able to get my associate's degree in HVAC and my refrigeration license and that stuff. And then I worked out in the field in, in Colorado for a couple of years before I came back here. Yeah, so you got your your experience in and and kind of cut your teeth on in the industry. That was pretty. That's a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. And then your dad, you know, you, you you're working with your dad. What have those two taught you guys as far as business? You know, working in the business. Any any pieces of you know little nuggets of advice? Most simple things is uh, be honest and uh, pretty much do what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. and answer your phone. Yeah. Those three things are probably uh, probably the most the most uh, important things that we still do here today, which unfortunately might be a rarity. Yeah, and I yeah. think it was always interesting. You know, he used to always say in the beginning that you're, you know, th- those things, those three things are going to be very easy and simple to do in the beginning. But as people figure out that you do them, the same things are going to be simple. It's just going to be very complex to do it over and over and over again and and you'll have more and more of a demand from people for that right so he said it's always a simple industry it's just the complexity comes from the volume of having to do those same three things efficiently quickly right and and get back to customers the right way so it's uh always be honest even if you know it's gonna you know, it, always do the right thing, I guess. And if you do that, you'll be just fine. The right thing is never the easy thing. How many product lines do you guys have? Yeah, so we, we represent about 15 different manufacturers. Um, and really our main segments of the business would be plumbing, hydronics, water systems, and then we get into HVAC lightly as well. So over the years, I'm guessing you've added some of those lines um, over the last 10, 20 years. What's the process of Dan Davis going through and identifying what manufacturing lines they want to rep? And or is that the manufacturer reaching out to you? Or are you reaching out to the manufacturer? How's that work? It's, it's a combination, right? So sometimes the manufacturer reaches out to you. Um, but I think how we've always looked at it is we want to create a synergy, Right. So if we can create a synergy within the existing lines that we have, you know, so, for example, we we do a fair amount of um, cast iron boilers throughout New England. But, you know, Kalefi, when we were their first rep over 20 years ago, 
the idea was we needed some of the trim around them, right? And like we have Carlin and Hydro Level, those are items that go with the cast iron boilers. And the goal is to create synergy, not just for maybe the wholesale distribution partner, but the contractor. So when they reach out, they can kind of make multiple stops, if you will, um, to solving a problem. And it's the same thing with the wholesaler, right? If you're in that synergy and you can meet with them on six different things, it's also more time effective for them. They have a resource in that space. And so when we do it, we we will try and find lines sometimes that fit in that gap that we have. And sometimes it just makes so much sense when a company reaches out to you, you, you open up a new gap, if you will, um, because it's innovative. Um, it's got a good brand name. And but we're very selective, and the and the goal is to not have the highest number of lines or be the biggest agency. The goal is to just be the best that we possibly can and align ourselves with manufacturers who think the same. Yeah, I would say that you know I think one of the things that's helped us excel was um, we do a lot of training of uh, wholesalers, contractors. We deal with engineers for lunch and learns, and when we can go in and not talk about just a product but the whole system together and help them put you know all those different pain points together that they have in a system um it provides a solution far beyond the product i guess is probably the best way to put it you know you mentioned that dan davis 1976 is when it started do you think over the span of time that dan davis has been has the rep business has it changed at all has it i mean i'm just trying to think like well obviously there's new technology and new training but i would think the core values of a rep agency is relationships it's you know it's being that advisor once you put in once someone puts in the product you're there standing by the product has anything else changed i mean tell me about that dynamic so I would say the, the core values are certainly still there, just as yeah. you mentioned, the relationships with the people in the business, all of those things uh, still are extremely important. But when we look at change, uh, I guess maybe the best way to start off was talking about how Dan and Paul knew where every phone booth was in New England because uh, they would drive around with a roll of quarters and, and, and you know that's how they'd get back to people. Now you walk around with a computer in your pocket and you get a phone call five minutes after somebody sent you an email saying, did you get my email while you're driving down the road? So the speed of information is probably the biggest change that we've really seen over the years. And, and the number of different ways to communicate, everybody learned through COVID different ways to communicate, some good, some bad. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, that's probably some of the biggest changes we've seen um, on the information side of things. And then products as well. Yeah. Obviously, you know, with energy pricing and everything else, we've had to uh, grow into different products. Yeah. If you told Dan that he was going to have something in his pocket that would ring all the time and that he would have to respond so quickly and he'd have these electronic messages, um, I'm not quite sure this company would exist, right? We just came from a, <laughs> from a different kind of world. And I remember a story that my father would always tell that, you know, Amtroll was our, our main line and particularly with Dan. And that line we've had since 1963 because Ray Alden had it prior. 
And so it's we've been we still have blind. It's been a long time, and I still remember my father telling me the story that Amtroll was going to fire Dan because he was not he would not buy a fax machine. Okay, and and so he kept the two thousand dollars in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, and he kept mailing in his orders, so it would take so long he'd go handwrite the orders with the portable bar in the back of the Cadillac, and and he'd go handwrite his orders. And and then he'd mail them in. And then once he finally caved to the fax machine, my father said it was really hard to get him out of the office because he just loved to watch those orders come through the machine on the roll of paper. You know, and uh, and so a lot has changed. Principles are the same, but speed of speed of information is just is just so much different now. But you know, our father Paul always had a saying. You know, and he and he took it from a quote: is that the only constant is change yeah right and that was something we always try to adhere to because because it's it never stays the same right is your grandfather still around he's not um he passed about uh it was probably about 10 years ago now okay and he was in his his mid 80s um so he's he's not around anymore because you you just kind of summed it up i'm wondering like what he would (laughs) Like how he would just be like, I don't know how you guys do this, you know, in this day and age. Well, there was so many times that it was pretty commonplace for a bottle of uh, gin, whiskey, something yeah. else to get pulled out of the desk drawer and I had, I had a wholesaler <laughs> meeting, maybe in the afternoon, maybe in the morning. I don't know. Wasn't around for that side of it, but heard some of the stories. Hey, I'm just saying, when I met Tim and he brought me to his office downtown Chicago, there was some whiskey in a drawer, I remember. <laughs> there was. So it's not <laughs> one of my favorite stories from my father of Dan was right when he started, uh, Dan had what he referred to as an order routine. And so he would he would come up through Portland, Maine, he'd stop at a couple wholesalers, he'd get his orders, and then he'd proceed to Augusta, and then he'd go to Bangor and uh and stay the night in Bangor. And Dan smoked cigarettes, and he was trying to quit, so he thought a good idea was to go to a corncob pipe, right? <laughs> and uh, and so Dan used to wear three-piece suits, right? And my father says, I'm in the passenger seat, and he goes, we leave Portland. They had a, a drink with the customer and got an order. He goes, and we're heading to Augusta. He goes, same thing. And we leave Augusta to Bangor, which is about an hour, hour and a half ride. He goes in, and your grandfather's driving, and he coughs into the corn cob pipe, and doesn't realize that the cherry landed on his tie, and it caught his tie on fire. Oh, and he no. said, "So we're driving up ninety five in Maine, and I'm hitting your grandfather." He goes, "This is about the first week I go to work for him, and he's giving me this look." And when Dan was mad at you, he'd use his middle finger to push his glasses up his nose, right? So, you know, Paul said he turned to him and he pushed his glasses up with his middle finger and said, what are you doing? He says, Dan, your tie's on fire. Your tie's on fire. So, oh he my goes, gosh. you know, we show up to the hotel and he's got half a tie. And, and but that was always a story that resonated with us. That's so funny. Uh, so. So you guys have been in this industry for 20 plus years, obviously longer growing up in the family. How cool is it to hear these stories about your granddad and even your father? Yeah, it's, 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 it's great. There's so many people that know there's still people in this industry that, that dealt with Dan, you know, they were young coming in towards his end. Um, and there's a ton of people that still dealt with, 
with Paul. And, and, you know, every once in a while you get those gems of a story that Paul, for whatever reason, just decided not to tell you. Um, and, uh, and so you get to come back with that, you know, and it always makes a family dinner interesting and, you know, Hey, I heard, uh, they used to call you Frenchie down at a manufacturer cause you go down there dancing and whatnot. And, and so it would be all different little gems that you would get, which makes for great family humor. Right. Um, and hopefully our kids will, I know there's those stories float out there. So our kids will probably get some of those if they come in to be the fourth generation as well. And I, and I'll say the other side of it too, which, which can make you a little bit nervous, but I still remember I traveled Maine and that's where my father primarily traveled. And, uh, I'd always get the stories from the old timers. You get some big shoes to fill kid. I don't know if you're going to make it, you know? <laughs> so anyways, we, we laugh at the, that as well. That's awesome, man. You mentioned the states that you guys, um, you know, the reach. Is it just the one location there? Is it, or do you have kind of any satellite offices? Yeah. So the way we're laid out is we we uh, built the new office building about five years ago in Southern Maine, and so we have that one location. But we have territory salesmen in the given states. Like we have one in Brantford, Connecticut. One in Walpole, New Hampshire. One in Dover. New Hampshire, East Dartmouth, Mass. Okay. Um, and so we, we have, a, we have they will work out of their own office, um, but just one one location for us in, in Maine. The, the interesting part is you think of Maine, but our longest travel is in this same state. So where we sit in Southern Maine, we're an hour and a half to Boston, three and a half hours to Rutland, Vermont, um, three yeah. hours to Hartford, Connecticut. Um, now the longest travel is Presque Isle, which is in northern Maine, Caribou area, about seven hours um, north. So, yeah. So you guys are located in the heart of like what I would say the hydronics, you know, the epicenter of hydron northeast. I, I wanted to ask you this from the beginning, but um, you know, your products are obviously hydronics related, boilers, things like that. Like you said, the components that surround the system. Do you feel that radiant heating is dying? Do you feel like, uh, you know, the specs are coming in that are, are they the same that they were for either residential or commercial, uh, retrofit, um, remodeling? I mean, I I just, I kind of feel like it's, it's kind of on the way it's waning. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I would tend to agree with the waning side of the radiant heating. You know, I think uh, th- there's a lot of upsides to the to the radiant side of the business, but there there's been some downsides over the years as far as homeowners understanding how to work that system correctly. So maybe I would say that uh, you know the, those houses that have gone radiant still have radiant in them, but it's not as much radiant in the house because of things like panel radiators and, and, and things that give you that ability to heat a house very quickly in the shoulder months that we have up here. Yeah, like mini splits, things like that. I mean, are they kind of taking over where I, I, you know, you go in a house that has radiant heat, it's phenomenal, right? I mean, it's, there's no more comfortable heat than that. But I'm just wondering, like, are new construction, are builders specking this stuff? Or is it just kind of you know, the same old, just put in a forced air. I think that it's almost gone to like a floor warm warming situation. 
where they yeah. want the warm floors in the kitchen, in the bathroom, and those things. But Specific it's not, areas, yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly the main source of the heating of the home, I guess I would say. That's but kind it, of, commercially. Yeah. So garages uh, up here that are doing any type of work, which would normally be a, an air-based situation in the last 20 years, really, they feel the benefits of Radiant because of the concrete and the environment they work in. Um, and the equipment that comes in during the snow season and stuff like that. So commercially, it's it's pretty strong um, in that front. But yeah, I would say residentially, floor warming with a combination of some other type of of radiation for the shoulder months is yeah. is what's becoming common. But full radiant systems are are becoming are becoming more and more rare up yeah. here, where that's your only source of heat. So I guess that leads me into the next question, you know, with all the buzz, electrification and all this, you, you mentioned heat pumps off before we jumped on, but heat pumps is a big thing. Is it is it something you're seeing more demand for up, up in your neck of the woods? Uh, certainly on the heat pump side of things, um, you know, and it's directly related to how much hydronic business is done up here. So because the house is so heavily hydronic, the easiest opportunity for the homeowner to have comfortable AC has really been to go to the mini split side of the business versus a traditional ducted system. Yeah. Um, new construction, I would say um, it's a combination of the ducted system with heat pump technology built into it as well. Um, but then again, I mean, we, we were so heavily rebated up here on, the heat pump side of the business, that's certainly a driving factor as well. Don't know that I can say that I agree with having to unhook your fossil fuel uh, for obtaining some of these rebates, but we don't write the rebates either. From your perspective, are we past the supply, supply chain challenges that we've had? I think, you know, with us dealing with 15 manufacturers, we, we had manufacturers that were affected a good portion of them. Um, and we had some that weren't, right? It, which is is odd to think, right? But it really was in whatever space you were in. Um, in you know, but I think I think the supply chain disruption has gotten, you know, a lot better, but the labor disruption still exists. And there's still a jockey for manufacturing jobs where once another manufacturer in the area in or out of this industry gets desperate, the rate goes up and, and they'll lose some employees. And, and then it's a forever thing that's going on right now. But I think supply chain um, and procurement has been pretty well figured out. Um, but the labor shortage is, is ever evolving um, because people are willing to pay more for labor, which causes shifting um, back and forth. Interesting enough, most of those employees end up back at that manufacturer. Um, it just it just is, you know, this three or six month waning period where finally that group says, okay, we're willing to pay, you know, and uh, and so that's how we see it. But the supply chain has gotten gotten much better, and we we see product come over from um, from Italy from some of our manufacturers. The container situation has gotten better, even from the um, the, the Asian side of things, the price has reduced greatly. And so that's kind of really started to to figure things out on that end as well. So Evan, I met you at a baseball game in Milwaukee at the Brewer game 
with the uh, an event with Kalefi. That's one of your the clients that you rep. I kind of want to go back to Tim's question though. Like, you know, how so working with Kalefi? How does that work? I mean, how maybe you just answered it when you answered Tim's question, but it's it's interesting. Like uh, you had mentioned that IntelliHot is a new client that you brought on. How do you know that that's a client that you want to bring on? How do you how do you vet the product? Do you meet with them? Do you go to Chicago and meet with them? How does that all work? Yeah, you know, I think w- with the case of of any line, um, you know, it, it always comes from some type of existing relationship in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so it could be a sales manager that moved from one company to another, it could be the manufacturer reaching out to your customer and a recommendation that comes there, but it all ties back to an existing relationship somehow, somewhere along the lines I got you. that you had. And when, when Mike and I look at manufacturers, the people are extremely important, right? And, and what kind of company they are or want to be in the space yeah. is a big yeah. deal to us, right? And, and not to make it sound like product doesn't matter, it does. Um, but we're in a people business, right? And so when we solve problems or create solutions, you're doing that with people, not with brass or cast iron or steel. You're you're working with people. So so for us, meeting the people, getting to know who they are, what the core values of the company is, is extremely important um, when we make a decision as to whether we come on board. And it's the same for the manufacturer with us. I'd say the biggest thing for a manufacturer right now when they look at rep agencies is, you know, continuity, right? There's a lot of rep agencies that are that are older in the ownership side of things. And, you know, that's a risk for them, right? So they need to know. And that's how we kind of grew over the last 15 years or so is just the fact that they knew that there was a continuity plan there and that they were going to have the ability to kind of watch us and see if we were able to do what we said we were going to do. And they kind of had a roadmap for, for, for years to come, you know? It's interesting when you talk about product, because we, we always say, you know, we'll get asked by contractors, you know, is this, is this good? Is this a good piece of equipment? You know, they want to know about the actual product, of course. And, uh, you know, most of what we sell is all good, but we also know that we're selling a mechanical piece of equipment. Is it going to break eventually? A hundred percent. So is a manufacturer going to have a problem with a product at some point in time? A hundred percent. But it's really how the manufacturer and the rep responds to the problem as to, you know, how that uh, is viewed by the wholesaler and the contractor, which is a, a big part of our job. Yeah, I would think that out of all the facets of, you got the manufacturer, you got the wholesaler, you got the reps, you got the contractors. Your job, like you said, as far as relationships, communicate. Those are the like the key. Like you're almost like the glue for everything. You know what I mean? It's true. We, you know, we're involved in all sides of the business or layers of the onion, right? However yeah. you want to look at it. Yep. Um, you know, we we have to be involved in in you know the and we also have to be empathetic to all sides of the business right we have to get the customer to understand that when there is a supply chain challenge right it's not may not be xyz manufacturers full fault but you got to explain that right and so yeah we we kind of keep everybody um 
where the communication stream from the manufacturer to the customers and from the customers to the manufacturer, right? And and that allows everybody to get better as, as long as you listen, right? And that's mm-hmm. the important part. And and that's like companies like Kalefi, they're just they're great at that, right? And they they take that feedback, they utilize it and and they and it helps them do different things in the space. So I always the joke about a rep is when people never understand really what we do. I have friends of 25 years that still don't really know what we do. Um, and because it's complex and and everything else. And the, the quickest way I've found to explain it is we're the guy Geico doesn't like. We're the middleman, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really what we do. Talked a little bit about continuity. I also heard earlier in the conversation, fourth generation. Is there a next generation that's being ready to be at the helm of the ship at some point in the future? Tim, these are young guys. What are we talking about here? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, I would tell you that my wife consistently says to me, will you stop telling him he's going to be a salesman? Yeah. And that's my nine-year-old son that I'm referring to. And uh, and so, you know, yeah, the goal is that the company the company lives on, right? And I, I think one of Dan's proudest moments was when Mike and I came to work for the company, just to know that there was a possibility for it to continue on, you know, to the third generation. He also would make sharp comments like, hey, Mike, Evan, do you know um, how many third generation companies succeed? And uh, we would look at him and smile and say, no, Dan, how many? About 7% of them. Right. Don't fuck it up. Right. And that was his, <laughs> exactly that was that was his way of just kind of poking at you. Right. And but but, you know, it was proud for him. It would be a proud moment for us. Mike has uh, two girls that are uh, my son's nine. Mike Sh- Charlotte is how old? They're three and five. So, yeah, we're, we're a little bit young on, <laughs> the, uh, bit. on the selling side of things. Yet they sell me pretty good on when they want candy or ice cream or something of that sort. So, of course, you no, know, yeah. like, they go to they go to school. They go to show and tell, and they're like, "This is a PRV. This is an expansion tank." Yeah, I can see that already. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But yeah, that'd be the goal. Well, right? it's interesting because I have had to explain to the three year old what a boiler is, and that's actually a more interesting conversation than you think. It made me feel pretty stupid, actually. <laughs> Do you feel like you're at work again? Uh, you know, sometimes it feels that way. You know, uh, maybe you should bring that to the you know that presentation to work. See how it. You know, it would be very humorous. <laughs> well, when you're not working, real real quick, what do you guys like to do for fun? When you're not working, Mike. Oh, sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, it's funny. So the interesting part about this business is we, both Mike and I really love what we do. And, and if a passionate salesperson is dangerous, right? And, and it's, and so we, we like what we do. And so we're always doing what we do. But I would say on the fun side of things, we do some side-by-siding, some fishing um, on my end. And uh, we're always doing projects around the house. We like hands-on stuff, right? Um, You know, people ask us, how do you learn about this product? And I said, well, the first thing we do is blow it up. We break it because then we know how to fix it, right? So... So we'll we'll put things into our house. Uh, you know, my wife refers to my basement as the metal woman. Um, you know, so we go down there and play around with things and and uh, but anything mechanical uh, we enjoy. 
and up here in, in Maine, there's so many things to do. We'll go to the beach. We do uh, snowmobiling, you know, um, and stuff like that. Mike, on, on your end, what do you like to do for fun? For fun? Well, you know, it's funny. We got a, we live in a fairly small town, 20, 25,000 people. And, uh, you know, what's kind of cool is I, I got a great group of friends that I graduated with. They're still all around. They're in kind of the construction business, all stuff that we like. One's an electrician, one builds houses. Kids are, you know, relatively same age. So we spend a lot of time with friends and, and, and stuff of that sort. I got a, I bought a 75 Jeep CJ5 that when I get time, I like cruising that around as well. So, cool. yeah. So I'm picturing, uh, remember, everybody loves Raymond, Tim. You guys don't live like next door to each other, do you? <laughs> Oh no, no! No, yeah, we're about, <laughs> we're about. Uh, no, oh, we Robert, do. yeah, yeah, old Robert, yeah, you're about right, and uh, so <laughs> we're we're about seven minutes from each other. Oh, um, that's a good so buffer. I'll be <laughs> yes. not next door, but but pretty close, and yeah. uh, and so, but believe it or not, we still we still get together and and, yeah. and have a couple beers on the weekend, even though we work with each other and we have a similar friend friend base and group. That's awesome. So, so yeah, we still we can separate the two and, and still have fun as well. I'll ass, I'll assume Paul's still in the area then too close by. Yes. Yeah, so Mike actually lives in Paul's old house that we grew up in, and uh, my father and mother they they finished their retirement home about three or four years ago, which was actually Dan's retirement home. Wow! And it's on a lake, just about ten minutes from us. And so, you know, that, that could be a, that project could be a whole other podcast, but that uh, was originally a light renovation. And then they found out that when the place got built in 1995, the contractor uh, put the wrong trusses in the home. So what started off as a light renovation turned into the roof getting cut off. And then um, my father's brother, who's an excavation, who has a severe dry sense of humor, tore the whole place right down. Uh, while my father was traveling one day to basically the, the um, just the floor choices, uh, so wow. he, he came back to that, and he said it's going to be much easier to put new windows in and start yeah. from scratch. I'm not sure the code enforcement guy agreed, um, but uh, but that was so he lives up on the lake, um, so we bring the kids up there too, and and that lake has a lot of heritage to us. Uh, my grandfather had a place across the lake, a little 800 square foot um, place on the lake when we were young and we grew up there. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of, he's, he's Paul still, he consults for us still is on the road two to three days a week. Still tells us what to do daily. Um, (laughs) whether we, whether we fully listen or not, I I won't comment on. Right. So. Well, right on. Well, thank you so much for, you know, spending some time. It was really a pleasure to get to know both of you. I mean, Great, uh, great information, and you guys are doing a great job. So thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you, and enjoy the rest of the week, and happy 4th of July to you.